Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. Good day to you. Hello. How are you? I'm very tired. Um, I was just telling you, I didn't sleep well last night. And I think as of yesterday, retrograde is done, but my life is still a mess. So I'm beginning to realize it's not the planets. Oh, shoot. Yeah. The call's coming from inside the house. Just keep telling yourself it's the planets. Just keep telling yourself. And so, so keep reminding yourself that retrograde is over and things will quit. You just, we make our own, yeah. we make up our mind about these things. Yeah. The industrious two weeks of early September are over. It's over. You were on fire. You were really crackling. I did a big to-do list. I did a lot of checking things off and now I'm like, need rest time. Oh, Celine just my groceries 16 hours early it's fine <laughs> I know I need to order some but I'm scared because even if you put like four and then I'm not at home I'm at work and so then they you know they just do what they want yeah yeah <laughs> they just do what they want <laughs> working hard yeah that's good I mean you got the groceries coming half the battle you need them yeah and um you know they're huge news Atlas's babysitter Yuko is back from Japan for one month Oh, good. I know. She's back here. in the basement. Back in the basement. Uh, back in That's our lives. That's a funny thing to say. Hearts. Back yes. in the basement. Yes. Like I'm just storing her down there. Um, yeah, she's back. And oh, good. I know. I'm trying not to get too attached. I told her, I was like, Yuko, I can't spend all this time with you because you're going to leave again and my heart can't take it. I can't take uh-uh. it. She makes our lives infinitely better in every way. Amazing. <sighs> what a gift. You know, um, what's going? What are you juggling this week? What's going on? What's going on? Got my little. (laughs) We're gonna have to edit a lot of this episode out. We're just wandering aimlessly. Um. Okay. What am I juggling this week? I'm feeling really positive. I've been meditating. I meditated this morning and then I took a walk. Amazing. What more could one need? That feels like all of it. All of it. And so, and then I was writing before I got on here to chat with you and so I'm going to go back and write a little bit just finishing up this novel draft and the kids are in school obviously so you know we're getting into that back into that um rhythm in a little more of a like patterned way I don't know I feel I feel good I like writing it's fun but as I was talking to you about it's just such a slow process and you are your own boss and so <laughs> that's why the meditation helps though, because there's, I heard this, it was like, it's like, it was a very supernatural documentary I watched as one does. And you know that I'm into all that weird stuff, but it was um, a psychic medium. I don't know <laughs> if anyone in the world is into that stuff. They said that 30 to 40% of Americans believe 
that mediums can communicate, you know, with the other side or whatever. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just interested. I don't know one way or the other about literally anything. But the person said creation is in every breath or with every breath you create. And that to me as a writer is really um, what's the word when you feel attacked? Like, because <laughs> I'm like, you are every moment deciding whether to stare at your phone or be distracted or, you know, you can't do anything but the work when you write. If you avoid it, it just doesn't get done. Unless you're doing a lot of brain, you know, percolating or brainstorming. But at some point, you just have to sit down and write for hours and hours and hours. And if you don't do that, you can't be a writer. <laughs> That's, you know, true. Yeah. I, I thought this was going in a different direction, but well, it's maybe the most just... prolific minute and a half we've ever had on this show. <laughs> I'm really going up to deep end with these, um, what is the word, paranormal, para, mm. para psychology kind of um, noetics is called. And I, I think that I can like start to believe it's true or be really interested in it. And then I can kind of pull on the reins and be like, I don't have to know anything about anything, but I'm really interested in kind of magic. Um, all that stuff. Death. I watched some near death experience documentaries. I don't know. I've been on a weird kick. Well, I will go on record as saying I a hundred percent believe in our ability to communicate in other dimensions, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe in mediums. I've I've had many really positive life-changing experiences with mediums. So um, somebody said that if you think it's a sign, it's a sign. I think there's truth in that and being able to like telepathically communicate with one another in life and death, whatever it is. If you believe it, then it's real. And if you don't, then it's probably not, I guess, like God or. Yeah, we I think we have a lot of power to create like I. I, years and years ago, I was watching people from other religions, as one does. <laughs> you know, we noticed these other, all these other religions in the world. And I had this thought that they really believe it, obviously, but they make it true. Like, it is true for them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I could hop somehow, I hold in my head this idea that it is true for all of them, all what you believe. And so I believe that what you believe is true for you but in like a very real way. And so I agree with you. I was taking a walk. I always walk the same circle and it's by people's houses. They're nice townhomes. And so there's never any garbage or anything like that. Just preface, it's people's front yards. And I was thinking about signs and beyond and I watched this near death experience or it was actually signs from beyond. So these these women they were in their 70s their mom was like in her near 100 and she was dying and so they said when you after you die we want a sign to see if you've like made it or if there's something over there and they said she's they decided on a cardinal so this is just the surviving death on netflix it's a doc it's like a five-part docuseries and so they sent her this there's a cardinal on the day of her funeral and it's like landed on one of their shoulders and then they're holding it for like an hour and then they feel like worried about the cardinal's safety and so they try to put it they try to like let it fly and it flies back to her shoulder and then so it's just like hanging out with them all day this cardinal and I was the next day taking a walk and I was and my grandmother passed away last August and so I thought oh I would love a sign and my other her her mother-in-law my great-grandmother's name was Pearl and I was like, maybe a pearl would, be, you know, I don't know. I have pearl jewelry. I don't know. Maybe I'd see it. I don't know. Uh, something. 
but my grandmother passed away and I'm really close to her. And um, I was like, a sign from whatever, whatever, any kind of sign. And then I was walking and I saw right in front of me a pack of Marlboro 100s, which is what she smoked. And I've never, you know, there's no garbage over here. There's no, you know, obviously could be anything, but my grandma, I would have to like go to the gas station and buy those for her. Right after I turned 18, that would like be my job. And that's what she always smoked. So I thought that was cute. And then I was walking and then I found a circle that was like a white mica. It was like a pearl. A double sign. Double sign. And I was like, so who knows? It is, like you said, if you decide it is, it is. And if you decide it isn't, it isn't. But I saw the cigarettes, but I've never seen garbage over there. And then I saw the pearl. And so I was like, well. I love that. I think that's exactly exactly it. That's a perfect example of just being aware of your surroundings and like opening your eyes to whatever means we may have in the after to communicate. And maybe it's through cigarette boxes. We don't know. (laughs) Well, what would that would be like one of the only things that would be really clearly yes. my grandmother. And so I just laughed. I mean, and then I walk, kept walking because it's just a track. And then they were gone the next time because people don't leave what? trash out. It's their front yards. Yeah. And so someone came and got it or whatever, but it wasn't there. How could you see something like that and just be like, oh, people with their stupid signs. Okay. Live your life as a miserable person with no belief yeah. in magic or anything else. Like, I don't know. I think life is as magical as you make it and we're we have magic we like oh you can feel the magic yeah Mm. I agree I just love the idea (laughs) of magic Adam does too and that's what I love about him we go to this is ridiculous but we go to like Harry Potter world at um Orlando you know yeah and he's just like I want it to be real so bad (laughs) and like it is real and we're here it's real but um magic itself is yeah, I, I want to go someday if we get to reincarnate and live in a dimension with you and Adam and all our friends Gosh. that has real magic, like magic wands and stuff. Yeah, let's manifest that right now. Okay. <laughs> we'll start. <laughs> Fine. I don't know. So um, anyway, I yeah, I feel like, but then you kind of worry, you sound like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. But then I think, why do we make stuff like that sound crazy? why it's so interesting that we do that and then I think is it because it all is real and we have to try to live in this reality and so we don't let ourselves yeah like it? it would be too hard to get through this life with like taxes and flat tires yeah and stuff. but I think that maybe and I'm not saying that I'm highly evolved or anything like that but I do think that there's a level of I don't know mental growth that is required to both recognize that life is horrifying and awful and cruel and boring, which is even worse than horrifying and cruel, <laughs> like mundane, but then to also recognize the duality of its beauty and the magic and uh, the miracles yeah. and all the other things. Like, I think that the two things can exist, birth and grief, like in the same breath. Yes. And I think resisting the boredom and resisting the bad, you know, kind of resisting it or calling it evil, you know, makes it worse. The resistance Mm -hmm. in you makes, instead of just saying, yeah, there is that and it doesn't feel good. There is tragedy. I was just listening this morning to something about um, writing and how it's supposed to be effortless and non-resistance. And the three hosts actually said like, no, 
It's not, there's, that doesn't mean there will be no effort. It means that you accept the effort, accept the struggle, accept that it's hard, that it's frustrating, that you might feel like crying on the floor. It doesn't mean there isn't all of that. It just means that you just kind of accept that there is instead of fight it or judge yourself or judge others. Yeah. And, and you're right about writing. You do have to do it, which is really <laughs> all this to say, full circle. You know, but as somebody who's really good at procrastinating and then like making up for lost time at so many other things, writing is not a thing that you can do that in because it's going to take you the same amount of time to write the words. I know five minutes a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had an idea of what to talk about, but I, don't know. I have a lot more thoughts on paranormal psychology, but I don't know if we, I don't, I feel like I'm an empty water bottle with its lid on, on top of a wave, like just being like tossed around this. I'm feeling really unanchored in that realm, but it's just so interesting to me. And there's real, you know, there's like Harvard and MIT, the, the book I told you about, I'm reading the, the source. I finished it, uh-huh. but Dr. Tara Swart, and she is an MIT professor and also super into essentially what is the law of attraction and which is just your thoughts control your reality and to hear an MIT professor write a whole book about it it's just a little it makes me feel like what is world it's hard when you go down those rabbit holes because it's amazing but also it like flips life on its head in such (laughs) a way um I was talking to a friend and I will not disclose which friend but she went on a ketamine retreat. It's a horse tranquilizer. That's the tranquilizer, right? Yes. Yeah. But okay. uh, it can help you like handle trauma and yeah. rewire the neural pathways that have already formed. So your your brain has plasticity again and you can actually change those pathways. And I we were just talking about like her experience and how life-changing it was. I just read a thing about MDMA trials coming. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we're getting closer. It's so interesting. I read a, this is weird, but if he's a famous New York City, no, New York and London or something like that, but he's a psychotherapist, but he helps people work with spirit guides. Okay. So he's like, they're doing it during therapy. And this one client was very clearly visualizing and seeing and communicating with these entities. And kind of like Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, which is a really good book. But so this therapist was talking, asking this client through his guides about drug-induced psychotherapy. And this guy's really into psychedelics, this therapist. Um, And the spirit guides essentially were like, they're not necessary. And the guy still does it. And that's like his specialty, his field, kind of like um, uh, in mushrooms and stuff. I thought that was interesting because that's what like a lot of people say mediums aren't necessary because that they're all right it's all right here mm-hmm. it's all you you have the ability if you just tap into it or whatever and so that's kind of what that that they were telling these spirit guides were telling this psychotherapist <laughs> it sounds funny to say that but so that made me think it might be helpful because it's like a whether it's real and it helps open up these channels or because we believe it will help us open up these channels or because we need that rush. You know, I don't know. I I don't know anything much about it, but my sister is really into all of that and all the treatments that you can take and experiences you can do. And 
it's fascinating because maybe, you know, maybe there are people that just need that little push or that sort of uh, confirmation, whether it's by way of a medium or an astrologer or MDMA, like, you know, that you can experience something outside of yourself. Because I think about, um, I think about going and doing ayahuasca in like the forest. Yeah. But I don't really feel, you know, yes, we should totally do it. (laughs) I don't feel like I need that experience. Yeah. I don't feel blocked, if that makes sense, in terms of the way that I view the world. Like I feel really, um, I don't know, there's nothing I can think of that really makes me feel hung up to the point where there's like a, a distinct trauma I would need to overcome or a way of looking at the world that I think is, I would like to, you know, do differently. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm generally happy and and like love being alive and in the universe. So I don't know that I need it for that, but I do think it would be fun. I was just thinking that same thing. I'm like, I completely agree with you. I almost feel like I don't want them because I I am on a path and I like yeah. the path I'm on. But I agree that if it's fun, if it seems like it would be fun, if it seemed like be inducing, but maybe people who feel contained within a shell or feel blocked or fearful or whatever they think that it would help with, then it would be maybe a way to kind of crack open that, that shell and expand. Yeah, certainly like PTSD and other disorders and situations and traumas and things that you're trying to work through. And also I feel if you're the kind of person that has been pushed into a box by society or your parents, or you feel like you're living for somebody else or who you are isn't a clear depiction of who you think you are, you believe you are in your heart and you're trying to kind of bust out of that shell maybe and really experience and be comfortable. And um, it's really valuable in in so many ways. I just, I feel like our freaky flags are just kind of what they are. I, wow, we're really flying them today. I was watching a Joseph Campbell documentary, actually, and I love Joseph Campbell. And so the documentary, there was this point in our lives that we come to where we either are willing to open up and kind of release our ego and maybe look at the world and be curious about what's going on and decide we're going to find out for ourselves or go on our own hero's journey, essentially. But a lot of people instead close off to that opening and they curl up and in, inside or they hand off that responsibility to doctrines or mm-hmm. um, others static beliefs that people will fill that questioning for them and so I think uh, we've talked before about how <laughs> I always ask my students like do you believe you have a real identity or do you believe you're really a, a singular thing or do you believe you have like singular traits that make you who you are, because I definitely don't believe that's real. And we all act differently in different situations. We all change so dynamically and all this stuff. But for maybe people who believe that very deeply, it would be fun to just kind of shake that up and scramble the eggs. Yeah. Speaking of eggs, can we please talk about the golden egg on the seafloor? (gasps) Yes. I want to talk about the golden egg. Explain to our listeners what we're talking about it's magic okay for those of you who are still listening to this chaos <laughs> and following along <laughs> very okay noah n-o-a-a found a golden egg on the seafloor so there are many golden egg myths i kalevala is one of my favorite 
stories. I really just read it recently and it's the Finnish creation myth. Okay. From Finland. And there, like many other creation myths, say that the world was formed out of golden. They're in the Finnish one, there's six golden eggs, but in, there's like the a specific Indian myth is one and, and some other myths too, though there's one golden egg that created the world. And that's the yolk is the land and the water is, you know, the white or whatever. I don't, I don't know all the different versions. And it was in, in the Finnish one, it's in the ocean. And she's this um, air mother comes down and she's going to give birth in these waters, the primordial waters, and she finds the golden egg and it cracks on her knee. And that's where the world comes from. And now it, they found it. <laughs> they found a golden egg on the seafloor. No one knows what it is or where it came from. And it's beautiful. It's like rich, really, really gold in yeah. color. And they collected it, which I don't know. It's and almost like it's the like beginning glowing. of the. It's beautiful. It is like metallic in color. Yeah. And it, and it's opened. So something they think something came out of it. No one knows what it is. I mean, they say we don't know anything about the ocean. We know more about outer space than we do the ocean. And so who knows what it could be. But I want to believe that's where the creation myths. I mean, they found those before something, you know, thousands of years ago for whatever they are. And that's what they think the world came out of or something. I love it. No matter what. I, I want to know. It's weird they can't kind of test cells and figure out what kind of creature it belongs, like a squid, giant squid. We don't know much about them. Have they checked to see if the golden egg is cake? You should email them. Email Noah and be like, Write a just strongly taste worded it. suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> just take a bite. <laughs> is it cake? <laughs> uh, lot of fondant. Fondant would last forever in the ocean. That stuff is almost inedible, so maybe it is. Yeah, fondant is gnarly yeah no I don't want it in my life but I I I don't know if it's cake I don't know what it is I feel like all kinds of stuff is happening in my life I think it's maybe the aliens the alien all of this is because of the aliens now I'm going down these very very strange tributaries feeling very untethered but you know that's it's I just like say it's fun and then it's fun and try to get my work done and then also watch every weird YouTube documentary I can. So we were going to talk about this article from the cut. Do you want to, do we even need to? I mean, it's totally mention up to it, you. Cause it made yeah. me angry. We'll jump in quick. It was called adorable little detonators. Our friendship, our friendship survived bad dates, illness, marriage, fights. Why can it survive your baby? I just, it felt, it felt unnecessary to me. And I don't like to say that because I think everything's necessary. It doesn't matter, right? About whatever you want. But I also felt like you decide, you decide who you want to be friends with. You don't, if, you know, and I don't know, like I have so many good friends here. Many, many don't have kids. And so it's never really been an issue. Yeah. I, I think maybe because they see my kids as human beings <laughs> instead of like annoying detonators or whatever this lady's yeah. writing about. We have lots of single friends. We have, you know, Adam's friends, guys, guys who are single, several who don't have kids, you know, that we've been friends with for like 15 years. And it's never been an issue that I know of. And I feel like we're all pretty open and we see each other almost weekly, if not more. And so I'm just, I was a little like, I don't, I don't necessarily relate to this. 
No, I felt the same way. And I, it's funny because before you and I talked about it or like shared the article, I had sent it to my friend Natalie because she and I had kids at very different times. And I was like, this article's bullshit. Because if you're a real friend to somebody, you support them through the phases of their lives that yeah. may be different than yours. Even if that means you don't see them very often, maybe they move across the country, maybe they have like a high stress job, a sick parent, they lose a spouse. I mean, there are a million reasons why your friend might not have as much time for you, or they might be challenging to hang out with them or have something in common, but also stop making it about you all the time. Like be a good friends to each other, whatever phase you're in and be honest or don't, don't talk for five years. But if you're a good friend, when you come back on the other side of that, you're still going to be friends. You know, we have tons of friends who have all kinds of different lifestyles and it doesn't, it's not like prohibitive because they're not no. shitty to our kids. And one of our friend couples that we travel with the most don't have kids because it's almost easier because yeah. they, you know, in some ways, because then they don't, we don't like worrying about space and worrying about schedules and everything going on. It's just like they're a little more fluid and they have like, easy. and so it's kind of like, I'm, I've never had that experience. Also, you know, I have like 25 cousins and my mom has seven brothers and sisters. And so some of my older cousins were already having kids when my uncles were. And so I just had, there's always been people with children in my life. And so it's never been motherhood or parenthood has never been a, necessarily a sole focus or like the um, identifying everyone has ever there's a lot of my grandma has seven brothers and sisters so does my mom so do I and so it's like kids are everywhere they can't be your identity and maybe that was kind of instilled in my family because there were so many children everywhere uh, we already understood that parenthood is just an aspect of life not your sole identity and I and I don't know if she thinks her friend's don't understand that that's kind of what the impression I got where she was like oh it's become their sole identity and I want to be like I assure you it has not <laughs> you know and maybe they're in the season for a very short time where they feel like they they've maybe lost themselves or something a little bit but then you be there to just yeah. bring them a pizza watch bad tv you know maybe it would be more likely if you had like a really traditional sort of family life I was wondering that because I feel like we are not so much and I didn't grow up in like the traditional nuclear family and we ate dinner tonight every it was like we always had friends in and out my parents friends they would entertain often I guess it's like the difference in a mom or a dad who says my life is now completely controlled by this child their sleep schedule yeah. I, I have changed my whole life to accommodate them versus everyone needs to be happy everybody needs to be functioning you know and and I do know that there are parents who fall into that maybe they choose that I don't yeah. know but I think most of our friends didn't yeah in the article there's one mention of a parent they were, went on this beach vacation and he felt like he had to leave be every day and was trying to over, like kind of control the schedule for nap time and that's something I would literally have never done yeah <laughs> with between yeah. all three kids I just they will sleep when they're tired. They can sleep on your lap at the beach. They've definitely slept on beach chairs many times. And so I do think I, I because I there's so many children in my life and they've always been around, I think that I have that inherent flexibility. Even Adam used to 
kind of be like, oh, we can't bring the baby out to this restaurant to meet our friends or whatever. And I, when we first said Keaton, and I'd be like, of course we can. They just come with you wherever. It was like a Panera anyway. It wasn't even like, I was like, yeah, they can come. Yeah. And so I can imagine maybe if you have um, some friends who are like very, very, but even then just let them, let them do their thing. Yeah. You doesn't change your life. You can stay where you are and do the things you want to do. I mean, your relationship might change a little bit, but you can still be there to support each other. Just change your relationship, you know, change the way that you spend time together. Just putting a cap on a human that you loved and valued because they have a child and feels like well, a little weird well, like yeah. almost like you need more attention yeah you can't and it, but that's a little that seems like a lot especially in a society where I feel like that's trending is like kids are such an inconvenience and like I know they shouldn't be on planes they shouldn't be in restaurants they shouldn't speak they shouldn't exist they should just be little like balls of life that eventually will help with social security like I don't understand that's weird to me it was weird. And there was so very little mention of the human children. <laughs> there was a few mentions about like getting to know their kids or actually liking them, but very, very few. And that bothered me too, because people's kids are really adorable and funny and different and interesting because they're literally just humans Small like humans. we are. <laughs> and so I felt like that was really overlooked in the article. It was just yeah. a generalized children. children. Yeah. Yeah, it was really weird. It was weird. But I guess it's, it was written by somebody who just doesn't really connect with kids, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, we don't connect with kids half the time either. <laughs> That's so true. And I don't think, you know, because the culture is so ingrained, parenthood is like such a common and maybe even like ingrained thing that resisting it feels difficult because it can anything that you're trying to resist that's so ingrained into the culture can be really taxing and and I and I understand that and so I I can understand then and then it, my advice would be maybe like it's okay to find different friends or like mm-hmm. find a whole nother group of friends who don't want kids don't have kids can't have kids whatever the situation is and then become friends with them and then love your other friends for what they are but I just feel like the whole analysis was uh overkill that's a good point you're losing like this group of friends it's okay you can just get friends who are on the same sort of life trajectory as you because it seems it seemed like to me it's like somebody who doesn't want anything to change in their lives and now you resent your friends because their lives have changed ultimately affecting the way that you bonded together and now you're pissed off because they made different life choices i mean spoiler alert like everything in your life is going to change so yeah, better to pivot now. And they're also not going to be little forever. No. And they're cute. I don't know. They're really cute. I fun. I, fun. Have, I know. I've, we, I, we kind of been, we were talking about this via text, but I also have plenty of friends who are or have gotten divorced. And yeah, honestly, it does make me mad <laughs> or it makes me sad on my own because things are changing and I, yeah. And it's confusing and murky, but you just like cannot control people. You can't judge people for the choices they they make or they. So you just have to decide what you're going to do and give them space to be themselves. And yeah, you can't expect things to stay the same. That's so true. Yeah. You just have to find out where they fit, you know, in your new life. And if you're a good friend and those people were important to you in the first place, it's not going to change because you have to leave the beach a little bit earlier. 
and and if you think in positive, maybe something amazing. We'll go back to the house and play a board game or make frozen margarita. You know, look on the bright side. I was supposed to go to a wedding in the next couple of weeks and it's like no kids. And I've, I, you know, which I totally get. I think you, I mean, listen, you're spending a ton of money on a party. If you want the parents to enjoy themselves and have the night out, I totally get all the reasons why you would do that. But I've also been to so many weddings with children and they are the most fun weddings because the kids make it fun. They're partying, they're dancing, they're raging. It's, I think that's, they're positives to both. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I can see both too. My, my first, my little brother wasn't sure he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have any kids and he doesn't plan on it. And he was kind of like, could you all come without your kids? There's, you know, seven of us and we're like, probably not. We would try to find a way, but you know, for a lot of us, it's like maybe mom or dad would watch the kids, you know? And so it'd be really hard. But we ended up, you know, bringing the kids and and he was that had already changed with their plan. And so it was all fine. But um, they all it was so the memories and the pictures wow. and the kids matching in their little outfits and sitting at the yeah. and So I there's pictures of me and my cousins from my uncle's weddings who are much younger than my mom. And they're still family classics, you know, 38 yeah. years later. I was a little baby in one. I was a flower girl. Another, you know, they're so cute. It's also really cool as a kid to be able to go to those events. They're so it's so important to learn how to be a person in society by doing those things, you know, by like being invited, by being accepted. And then I think being able to have relationships with your parents, friends as godparents or this sort of like aunt, uncle figurehead, that's important too. That's an important relationship. And so I yeah, I feel like if I didn't have my friends who love my kid as much as I do, his life would not be nearly as good. Keaton, yeah, loves you guys. He looks up to you so, love much. Him so much. I know. Well, and it's so helpful. Like when we had that conversation with him when we were in New York at Christmas and you're there to have my back. <laughs> and also just kind of like help with the perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important for the community. Yep. So. Yeah. It takes a village. Stop trying to leave the village and abandon your friends. I know. <laughs> that's our that's my two cents I agree with you yeah people might have I don't know we've I've never seen it from the other side obviously I had Keaton when I was 23 so what do I know yeah I mean I I was though I was the childless friend for a long time friend Lauren had holes long before I had a kid and I was so excited I remember leaving the hospital truly very embarrassing now that I think about it listening to a Taylor Swift song and sobbing on the plane home like I had just given birth and left my child you know it was so (laughs) so profound you know and like I don't I don't know I guess you're just a really good friend and the person who wrote this article is spiteful and jealous of these children just like really it was a little strange it was a little strange yeah I think that's the kind of friend you want when you have kids I I have none of my friends had kids a lot not many did and when we moved to Charlotte I've known all of my friends almost all of them here before they had kids they were my friends when I was the only one Liz and I were the only ones you know and um my sister and I've watched them all you know and their kids are much younger than Keaton five years six seven eight years and have get to start their families and you know and uh, we also have several friends half a dozen who don't have kids and will never have kids and they get yeah. to watch our kids grow up and be aunties and uncles and see you reflected in those kids. I think that's the coolest part of hanging out with your friends' children and getting to know them is you see the parents. Like you see these qualities and these oh, traits yeah. in them. And it's so beautiful. I think it's so cool. But, you know, it's all good. And at first I was kind of annoyed. I was like, what is the 
that was the point of this because it was, but it was just so negative and strange to me and different. And so I was a little bit like, what's, you know, I was a little turned off, but I got to thinking like, express yourself, explore everything. Yeah. It's good. Just get it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine. This is a long mini and it went everywhere. Edit the hell out of here. this one. <laughs> or not. I could go on and on. And I do need to see you to tell you more about these weird documentaries. I think this episode is so all over the place because we didn't see each other in a long time. Yeah. If we lived closer, this would fix everything. I know. We're going to write our books that make us <laughs> improve the show, ex- improve our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sign off. Goodbye. Oh, bye. <laughs>